This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of MC Fireside Chats by the fire this week once again, because it's cold here in Canada still, even though it's April. They try to spread that out with cares. Yeah, uh, just quite yet. Yeah, Half thankful. So super excited to have another episode here of our open discussion show. Uh, we've got a couple people joining us. Hopefully, some stragglers will come in. Uh, they tell us they're going to miss the show. They're not here yet. So we've got Mr. Captain who's here with us and Mr. Ray Patterson as well uh, as Karen, who's here's always. Yeah. So first, before we get started, we have a sponsored episode today. Our very first sponsored episode, probably because I've just taken so long to let everybody know that we have sponsored episodes available. We're very excited to welcome a sponsor to the show. Sponsored every week, uh, Fireside Accounting, which is sitting by a fire. Uh, I started this just for this accounting firm. Uh, but it's a really good uh, company run by uh, a woman named Toots, who has been in the industry for many, many years. Uh, but we actually haven't got to one. Uh, let's see, that's fast. I'm going to Really good to put two and two together, but uh, just link that up. But Lindsay, but I've known Lindsay Scott for a number of years. Lindsay was an accounting firm. Uh, she does all the accounting bookwork for Verizon, uh, all the properties, right? Do you manage that? Yep, that's right. But Kara, do you want to just tell us a little called Fireside Accounting? Sure, yeah, I'd love to. Spend your time focusing on jury, not on data entry. As experienced outdoor hospitality professionals, the team at Fireside Accounting understands the challenges of day-to-day operations for your property. It is with this detailed knowledge of outdoor hospitality operations and accounting practices that they have developed a comprehensive set of services for your business's accounting needs. For more information, you can visit firesideaccounting.com. So if you guys, obviously, are camper numbers operators here, somebody you're really at yeah, Brian, I might, I just mentioned to you, your audio is, your audio is quite quiet, but we're picking up lots of background noise, so I don't know if you have anything else, but, oh, yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> Were you able to, were you able to hear what I said or is it all? Yeah. I, got, I got a headset. I don't know why it's not. Anyway, you guys continue on figure that out. Awesome. The, the beeping is more of the problem. <laughs> Whatever that is. Anyway. Did we hear about fireside accounting? I just want to make sure yeah. because then we're going to get, okay. Because I've known Lindsay for so many years. Yeah. I know she is. So I just want to make sure everybody knows that. Yeah, absolutely. I can, I know for me as a former campground owner, I I remember having to train my accountant the basics about about campgrounds and industry to really get to a 
great level of service. I love that you really doing a great job for temporary operators. And I'd love to know if if there's a Canadian, is there's an option for Canadian parks side accounting, or she's gonna is she interested in expanding? We're gonna have, yeah. to, have, her, we're gonna have to have her on the show run talk to talk about her. Right? Yeah. yeah, I would love that. That would be really great. I think big of missing niche here in Canada specifically in this industry. Like I said, my accountant over the years slowly really embraced it and it turned out to be really great, but there was a learning curve there for sure. And I love that Lynn's got such a great focus on, on the industry specifically. I'm interested to hear, Scott, you mentioned that you are doing like job fair stuff and some cool things right now. Uh, give us an update about your update. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For so many park operators, April is a month of major change. The snowbird properties are winding down their seasons. Our northern properties are uh, coming out of hibernation and we're, we're staffing up. We are setting up properties today. I'm in northern New England in New Hampshire. We are, uh, we have a few properties up here that we manage and it's the time of year to start uh, hiring local teams. So we are, this year we're trying something new. We're hosting a job fair over a couple of days here and uh, tapping into the local community who embraces and supports and is very used to seasonal tourist demand and all of the work that, that goes along with that. So we're tapping into that great skill set. It's been very successful. Thankfully, it's been hard to hire almost everywhere. We know that guests um, expect a great experience and we want to hit that. We also know that guests are being uh, very patient right now, knowing that with everything right now, that it's difficult to hit the mark on so many different levels. We're busy this month, not just with staffing, but placing old work for things like uh, chlorine and stocking up on supplies for things that are only going to continue to increase in costs that we need for the season. It's a great time right now to be doing it. Uh, if you haven't done it already, getting our, our parks deweatherized as well and ready. There's just so much work that's involved with that. It's as I know so many operators can, can resonate with. I was at the, um, at the Northeast campground association conference in Boston three weeks ago and talking with many of the seasonal operators there that that was the last chance they had to break away before they are locked in for the next six months. Yep. So absolutely. It's always an exciting time in the industry, but it's busy and hectic. The, the job fair thing, did you mention, I think I caught that this is your first time you haven't, uh, explored that before no we have not we have not had the the need to do that before and with a demand for work campers at an all-time high we have increased hourly wages by at least two to three dollars more than we were paying last year which was increased several dollars over the year before so we just have moved significantly and that has helped but there are only so many work campers out there and there are so many with parks being so much busier than they ever have been there's we just need more folks to create to keep that experience level where we want it to be we thought about the job fair route this year actually we had a, a great tip off from marcia gavin with norman normandy farms campground in, in foxborough which is a beautiful property and she mentioned that they had gone through a job fair and they hired they had 30 people they needed to, to hire and they had 30 people show up. So it's tight, but it worked for them. So we wanted to try it here and we have filled all the two positions in two days. Scott, I got a question for you, buddy. <coughs> I, <coughs> excuse me. Everybody has uh, been talking for a long time and we've been talking on this show for a long time. People are hard to find. It's just hard to find 
enough people that want to work, but then you've yep. got further thing in, in a experience rich industry as Horizon excels in. How do you not only find the bodies, but find the right cultural fit for your company to give the best service? Cause there, there's step one, right? Just to get people yep. to show up. But then what are your criteria to find those really good experiential hospitality profiles? We listen for the smile in their voice. You're hiring the personality. You're hiring someone that you want to talk to and spend time with. If they don't have the skill sets that might be, we can teach those. And we, we have a, a platform, an, an online learning management system that allows folks that might not have any experience to go through training on day one to really learn how to check people in and use the systems and that sort of thing. So we'd rather find people that are, that have that smile in their voice that care, which, which can be very difficult, but you can't teach people to care you do, or you don't, and it can be extremely challenging. We don't hit the mark every time, but it has worked uh, relatively well for us. Yeah, that sounds right. It's skills can be acquired. As you said, experience, quite frankly, sometimes can mean they've been making the same mistakes for so long that they're no longer coachable. Uh that's unfortunately that's the flip side of experience but i completely agree with you having that care gene or that care part of the personality you're born with it it's really hard to teach that it's either part of who you are or it is not so kudos i know you do a fantastic job getting great teach. oh thank you thank you yes so far so good and we're really excited the the guests the the team that is that's coming together at our properties all have this idea that this season's going to be record-breaking despite fuel prices, despite, despite economy woes. And instead of being overwhelmed by it, most everyone is empowered by it. They're energized by it. Uh, this is why we're in this business is to make vacations and memories of, and create these experiences. Finding those people that have that care gene only makes it more infectious so that everybody can pull through those crazy days together, preparing for the season and then actually going through the season as well. I imagine it also contributes to this really positive environment that I would hope that facilitates like return staff. Do you have big turnover? Or do you see the same work campers coming back season after season? Yeah, we, thankfully we do have a lot of returning, returning, uh, work campers. Um, there, there is always some, the work campers like to, they got into full-time RVing for a reason. They want to experience new areas. So that can be difficult to get keep people coming back year over year, but we we're very fortunate in that we have a portfolio of properties that we manage that they can travel around in between. So we have an internal way for folks to understand opportunities of the properties for the next season. And they already know our systems and policies and that sort of thing. So that, that certainly has helped. Yeah. That's a huge advantage. I, I think it would be valuable. I said a couple of campgrounds last year, I think up here in Canada partnered up because they had work campers who were keen to see other parts of the country. And so they did a trade. Um, and really like, yeah, yeah, I think, um, continuing to spearhead stuff like that is really just collaborative and, and supportive of each other, but also solves a, one of our biggest hurdles we're facing right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I will say just throwing this out there as well, that what I, I posted on LinkedIn a day or two ago that we're looking for uh, recruitment services as well for general manager level positions, um, corporate positions. And there seems to be, there, there's a number of great job boards out there and there's a number of great opportunities for, for folks to, to look at available jobs, but it seems to be very scattered. 
there doesn't seem to be a whole a central location where that can be where that can be set up. So if someone were able to spend the time and resources to to create that, that would be time well spent to have a, a more centralized location for job board postings, but then also maybe layer in recruitment services on top of that. Yeah, we've actually just launched one at CCRVC, a jobs board specifically for Canadian campgrounds to post positions and openings and availability. Then we connect them with applicants and things like that, obviously with the help of Brian, who does all our web development stuff, but, and we're hoping to mirror the, those listings in the respective provinces as well to get those listings more exposure. But we definitely have to approach the staffing thing from lots of angles, I think, to help alleviate some of that strain this year as we see a record camping and not enough bodies in, in parks. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think also the evolution of the job board itself has, has evolved quite a bit, in particular just the last few years, certainly the last several, the last couple in particular, because there's a need to get, attract good people from sister industries like the hotel industry or what have you like that. And there's more specialization as more intelligent capital comes in, the operational requirements are quite a bit higher. So they're looking for a higher quality candidate. And so to be able to find by level of skill or le what's required by these larger companies is pretty important to find that good talent. So just throwing everybody into a heap to sort through is not as efficient as targeting and segmenting by position, by role and what have you. So there's room for that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Completely agree. Randy, what have you been up to? Give us your update. Absolutely bored. I sleep most of the day. And just voluntary. <laughs> it, it's crazy. It's we've talked about so many times before. And, and Scott, you and I've talked about it. We talked about it quite a bit also. There's just never been anything like this. And you know, I think we've talked before about strategic planning used to be looking a year and ahead. And now it's trying to figure out what's happening by 4 p.m. It's, everything is just changing so dramatically. And it's no secret. We've all heard the data. The intelligent capital is coming in. They're buying property. Gone are the days of trying to find 300 sites in the Sun Belts. Good luck. Uh, they've gone to secondary and tertiary markets, smaller properties with expansion land. And again, these aren't secrets or anything like that. It's just the natural wave of supply and demand as people look to deploy their capital and find good assets that they can reposition. That's where it's all going. So we are extremely active. We've added two brokers this past week. We've added a gentleman to handle marina sales for us up in the Northeast, but he has a national network because we see marinas as a very natural tie to outdoor hospitality, that whole experiential thing. So we're very excited about launching that whole marina division. And again, the whole idea is not just marinas, but with a few acres adjacent to throw in some other accommodations and make it an outdoor hospitality product. We're very excited about that. And we just added it. <clears throat> His name is Mark Anton. Great guy. Another gentleman, David Dumanel, we just added in Texas, a former Eagle Scout, former Air Force, masters in real estate. We're just very blessed and fortunate that he's agreed to come on board with United Park Brokers. He's primarily working the Texas market because that's a very active market and that's where he's based. So Scott, to your point, and I know we've had this conversation many times over the years, you're only as good as who you have working with you and very conspicuously saying working with you and not working for you because the, there just isn't that delineation where team members with different roles and different aptitudes. Everybody on the UPB team has a unique skill that we all play off of one another. And they've got the personality and the ethics and the golden rule type of thing. 
that again, I'm just, it's an embarrassment of riches to have these caliber of people joining the team and we couldn't be happier. It helps us serve our clients better, makes us more efficient and they're just at the top of their game. We're very happy and very busy. Yeah, which is great. I think it speaks to the kind of cultural foundation you carefully cultivated for UPB. I think that stuff naturally draws good people. And I'm excited for you and happy to hear. Not surprised at all, but happy to hear it going so well. The fun thing, not to get too much in the theoretical rut here, but I think we've had conversations on the show previously. And Scott, you and I have certainly had the conversations before. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's always a challenge to find good people. But with, with UPB, we didn't start with how are we going to sell more parts and what markets will we serve? We started by what is the culture of the company? Co-founder Peter Meyer and I just sat down before we ever did anything and said, who are we? What is our mission? What are our values? And we know that anything we do in the future, we're going to reference back to, are we serving the core mission? So it all begins with a culture. Absent a culture, you can't grow anything. It's my, my personal strong belief. And so with that cultural basis, it's easier for people to say, I identify with the culture you're projecting. It makes sense to me. I want to belong to that. And we, which is the whole idea of building something together in mass with the various towns to build something collaboratively that reflects them, reflects our values. There's no greater joy in the world than going to work every day in that kind of environment. And that in turn helps us retain good people. Absolutely such a cultural thing for sure. I, uh, sorry, I'm just pulling up, uh, some news here and I'm seeing Scott, you mentioned you're in New Hampshire right now. I'm seeing some news about a big, massive water park opening at a Jellystone right there. Are you going to, are you going to add some water park features? To <laughs> the, one of the properties that we have up here is I'm not even going to say the river name because I will butcher it. Uh, okay. but it's beautiful and it, it has a lot of natural amenities to it, but no, no water parks up here right now, but it's a smart move and I'm quite sure that's a sudden community or some tie into it. Yeah. They're doing wonderful work on that. We are in, in Texas, we are finalizing plans to add a lazy river at a location with a weight, with a tight, with a break off waiting pool. Water is king. If you're on natural water, great. If you're not create it and create reasons and ways for, for kids to, uh, to be able to spend all day in the water and you will have repeat customers. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, it looks awesome. I'm looking at photos here. It looks really great. I wish we had more capability for that stuff up here in Canada. Yes. Yeah. So short. It's tough to, to make those kinds of big investments, but yeah, we are, it's interesting to me to hear about this really positive, like record breaking outlook for 2022 from you guys, because we are hearing concerning things this side of the border a little bit in terms of reservation lagging behind last year at this point. And maybe those will pick up as things become more certain about restrictions lifting and all those here in Canada. But there is, there is some concerns about folks being able to travel in other ways again and maybe ex experience different vacation styles again after quite a long period of not being able to. Do you get the sense down there that anyone is feeling that or have you guys passed that? You've been open and things have functional for so much longer. Are you past that and, and we're back to... I think we've had maybe more of a renegade culture to get back into to travel and maybe we're a little bit 
beyond that potentially, but I can share across the, the portfolio of properties that we manage. We, I, I just reviewed our, our weekly numbers right before this call and we are still progressing up. We have our March numbers that have come in. It's interesting. All the properties that we manage that are destination or snowbird properties meet or beat our budgets, which were pretty aggressive that we set before fuel prices started to spike those properties that could be maybe considered just as an example of a relation to a KOA journey or a stopover property. Those properties have been a bit more affected, but we still came in at 90% on average of, of budget, which is up and over last year still. So we're still, we're pleased with that. We saw such a tremendous uh, momentum in booking heading into this year for next year that the base of reservations that was already in place was significantly high and it was much higher than it was the year before. So while we have started to see a shift in the dynamics of state types at properties, meaning we're seeing maybe fewer reservations come in, but the average length of stay has increased by a night or a night and a half or more, and we're not discounting, but we're still, we're still taking it, recognizing the demand that's coming in and, and pricing ourselves appropriately. So we've seen this shift in booking dynamics, but. The number of cancellations that we're receiving is far fewer than the number of reservations that are still coming in. It's just the reservations that are coming in are slightly different than they were before. Most of our uh, peak properties in the summer months, the peak weekends were plus or minus 10% of where we were last year already with occupancy that's on the books. And that's with rates that are increased somewhere up sometimes as high as 15 to 25% over last year. We're still, we're still very optimistic, but we are monitoring it closely. We're, we're really monitoring those journey type properties, the overnight properties to see how they're being affected. Um, I think they'll be affected the most. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's always interesting to me to pay attention to what's happening down there because it tends to sort of follow behind you guys a little bit. I like to pay attention and stay on top of it. And I'm hopeful that people are just biding time to book because it's still, it's early in the season. We don't know what's happening with gas prices and that once summer comes around and, and folks are ready to put their equipment back to use and all of that, get out of storage, that, that things will pick up. But I think there's areas of the country that kind of almost never have concerns. They're, they're, they book out and long in advance and all of that. And so I think we do need to potentially get creative about just sustaining this extreme level of interest and, and enjoyment specific to camping in, in that we've had in the last couple of years. And I don't know exactly what that will look like. It's going to take some creativity, I think, but given RV sales, they, they got to keep camping, right? We've got to keep them. Excuse me. That's the thing. It, going back into my distant past, every time there was a, a fuel issue or fuel spike, we had some of our best years. So it's not, yeah. And it, it seems like a complete anomaly, but the, the truth of the matter is if you're, if you live in LA, you may not go to Yosemite, but you'll go to Santa Barbara, but stay for a couple extra days. So to Scott's point, the narrow, or that's a little bit narrow bad you draw from, but it's longer duration. When you think about it from an economic standpoint, with RV sales, as you mentioned, Kara, absolutely through the roof, you probably didn't buy it to park it, and, and it ends up being the incremental. So <clears throat> uh, what I mean by that is if you were going to travel at, just call it four bucks a gallon, are you going to stay home because it's five bucks a gallon? It's the $1 incremental, right? Yeah. If you're going to spend four, 
don't you spend the extra buck and whatever, if you just don't, if you go a hundred miles versus 400 miles, you didn't buy it to park it you bought it to use it. So I, I personally don't worry that much about fuel prices. It's not fun consumer inflation's no fun, but gas prices themselves, I don't think make people park their RV. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be interesting to see how it impacts the behavior of our consumers. And like you said, how far they travel and duration of stay. It's, I think one of our biggest hurdles in Canada is we're missing the fundamental framework to really measure those metrics. I, I think we have to work hard on establishing that in a better way. We need to do better at that because right now we're measuring things oftentimes in hindsight, instead of being able to make predictions and plans and, and be more strategic about stuff. So yeah, we are, there's some things up here to work on, but I, I do agree. I think I have lots of camping friends who have said we might camp less often this summer, but we're, we're still going to get out. We might go this far, but which is great. Obviously that equipment investment is such a vital kind of component to that all those decisions being made for sure and carol one one thing that i wanted to mention too when you talked about canadian bookings maybe being a bit slower this year compared to last year the other thing we're hearing on the far opposite side of the united states in the sunbelt states is that those guests are staying longer and we have at those snowbird properties that we manage, we have guests that have extended another month. So I, it'll be interesting to see how Northern US and, and Canadian properties are impacted by maybe having a, a slightly delayed start to their season, potentially by folks that are staying put, waiting to see what gas prices are going to do. They're taking their time. I'm, I'm also, we're tied into a large influencer marketing network of full-time families and we're hearing directly from them saying, we're traveling much slower. We're taking our time. We, we are, we're breaking up the expense of long trips into if something would have taken us a week to travel, we're going to make it a month's journey, which is good for us because they're spending more time at our properties. Yep. <laughs> that domino effect. Oh yes. I can hear you. Yes. Hello. Hey, it actually worked. Okay. Sorry. Continue. You're doing a great job without me. I don't even need to be here. Yeah, we have a, a comment from Jacob. Randy, do you think that fuel prices will affect the commuter parks? Ones that usually gets their business from ones that usually get their business from people that aren't using them as their final destination. I think, you know, perhaps, <clears throat> but I think again, it goes it goes back to you're going to keep traveling. Some people may not travel quite as much as they do. They might travel a shorter distance. I don't think commuter parks are really going to. By what I'm understanding by the definition of commuter park, I don't think they're going to see some dramatic fall off. You've also got some other dynamic happening there too. If you've got a, a trend line like this of new RVers that are buying new RVs and whatnot, and a few of those decide it's just too expensive, inflation is too much, I'm not going to do it. You still have the preponderance of a huge net influx of new travelers hitting the road. So even if some are going to stay home and not travel as far, or maybe just park it for a little while, you've still got the confluence of a massive amount of people who are new RV consumers and new campers to help buoy some of that. So I just, I really don't see a precipitous fall off in, in those type of in commuter parks or transient parks. I just don't see it. Travel habits will change, but I think to Scott's point, and, and please correct me, Scott, if I'm, if I'm wrong, and I probably am, 
but occupancy and rates probably don't get hit too much, but who your person is in the park is what changes to your point. If somebody's staying longer, maybe not as tra many transient people, but your ADR and your occupancy probably even out, it's just a different consumer, a different, the distance they've traveled to get to you, but they're still filling your park. Is that pretty yep, much? I totally agree with that. And absolutely. We're seeing it. We're seeing it. Yeah. Right and something else to think about with that too. I'm sorry, Kara. No. Um, I, I was just going to say, folks, folks are going to travel. They are going to, if they can afford to, they're going to travel. They're, they're tired of being home. They're ready to get back to normalcy. As someone that spends way too much time in the air, I can tell you that ticket prices for airlines continue to scale up as well with fuel prices. Everyone's impacted by fuel prices. So if you're looking at a destination trip where you're going to jump on a plane and you may spend an extra under the $200 a ticket right now per person to get there, that far outweighs the cost of the additional fuel in your RV or your truck to, to get to the destination that you're going. And one last point that I would make with that too, just because I just, we just had this conversation with a client who said, Hey, I'm a little concerned about fuel prices. Should we decrease our rates or provide a fuel saver discount or something to try to attract people to come out? And the answer is absolutely not. Number one, let's think about it. If you did, if you decrease your rates by 10 or 15%, you may be creating a savings on average of $10 a night. If someone's going to stay with you for three or four nights, is that 30 or $40 that they might be saving really going to contribute much to the extra fuel costs on their trip overall? And is it really going to convince them to come and, and, and still choose this more affordable vacation option over either still getting in a car and driving somewhere or hopping on a plane and flying somewhere. It's still the, the affordability analysis of camping, even with rates at sky high record-breaking numbers as they should be, it's still a more affordable vacation option. So don't be ashamed of your rates. <laughs> so I want to yeah. play, play if you guys can hear me, I want to play devil's advocate for a second. I was trying to earlier, but none of my mics apparently work. This is the fourth one I tried. I will play devil's advocate on rates. First off, I agree with you. You don't cut your rates. But two, is there, and this is just speculation, is there time where if inflation continues to go down the trajectory it goes down, whether it's just with gas prices or with everything, as we're seeing now with food and all the things, everybody's expenses are going up everywhere. Is there a point in time that obviously we've, I think we've all, at least I think that our industry is pretty much recession proof. We've been through 2008. I think people just changed their behaviors and all those kinds of things. We've already hashed that out. But is there a point where to get people to camp more local and more often that prices go up enough to where you do have to consider discounts or is that never a thing? I think you, and my answer to that, and I'd be curious what Randy uh, thinks as well, because I'm sure he's got something churning in there, is I, I really truly believe that guests will evaluate the overall price of vacation options. And when they still see that we are half as half as much as, as the hotel room nearby, if that, on average, we're still a more affordable vacation option. The value proposition is built in to the industry. So I still don't see a point at that, at which point it makes sense to discount rates. Now, if you are at a property that is three or four hours from the nearest major Metro 
and your bookings are potentially much slower, you could explore opportunities for providing not a discount in rate, but if you have a storage area that, or an area that could be used for storage, where maybe you provide an incentive for folks to drive the motor home up, leave it there and put it on a site when you're ready to come up one weekend, put it off and you're saving the money of having to transport your RV um, from your home location. So that might be something to consider as well. I think there are other opportunities if needed, other than discounting rates. Yeah, I would, I would agree. And just to mirror some of that, Scott, I, I, you know, there, you can't give a blanket answer for every park. It's just not possible because everybody knows their own park, their own demographics, their own location, their own challenges better than anybody else does. As a general rule, I don't favor discounting under almost any circumstances. And, and there are other ways to maximize somebody's stay. For example, without touching your rate, if you, <clears throat> excuse me, sell the zip code, which is what we love talking about, network with a local restaurant or something like that. Hey, you want to kick in 10% off of a dinner or something like that. If you can bundle external services to your park and give somebody a better value once they do show up, they've got a discounted meal at this place or a discounted green fiends at a golf course or something, bundle something else where you don't have to hit rates, but you give better experience, you're still going to have the consumer dollar. And the truth of the matter is the whole idea of rate as an experience, it's hard to quantify what value an experience is. And if you have a lot of great things to do with your property, if you've got, you could sell the zip code, whatever that might be, it could be hiking, it could be museums, it could be whatever like that. Consumers want an experience and will pay for that experience. I don't think the first line of defense is to discount. I think the first line of defense is to market better about what kind of experience a consumer will have when they arrive. And that makes discounting irrelevant to the conversation. Build a better experience, cross up with local community vendors. That's how you keep attracting people without hatcheting rates. Well, I think I tend to agree with you completely. I just wanted to play devil's advocate there for a second. Now my dog is going to bark at me in the background because we just need one more thing to go noisy and wrong with it. But I think I tend to agree with you. I think I would keep as an owner some kind of a plan in place in my back pocket should I ever need something. I think if COVID has taught us anything, it's be prepared for all kinds of uh, things to happen. But I think you're right. I think, Scott, to your point that the rates are comparable to, or not even comparable to hotels nearby. I think for too long, many owners in this industry have been too afraid to raise their rates too quickly, whether it's dynamic pricing or two bucks a year instead of what it really should be. And so I think that there's a lot of room to grow before that becomes an issue. Thanks. Yeah, I agree. I, there's a couple of comments here in the thread. Jacob saying, great point on flight costs. Our team drove 22 hours from Edmonton to Colorado because it was cheaper than flying, even with the gas prices. And then CJ Sands says, good job, Scott. I was about to mention that storage, if you have it, is a good way to get people to come leave them out at home. I'll travel trailer and come back to three weeks later. Yeah, I, that was a great strategy that I used. You were able to leave your unit there and come back. I had lots of snowbirds who spent the winters in Arizona and left their RVs with me over the winter. And those were great ways to provide an extra level of service. And really, I think adding convenience really helps justify your rates. Absolutely. And I, I would say that if you're not going to move your rates, which you shouldn't downwards anyways, the guests are spending more of their money out of their pocket to come stay with you. The experience has to be on point. You have to, and as an industry, by focusing on creating the great guest experience and emphasizing in all the wonderful ways that our industry is so unique, 
we will keep, we will retain a higher share of those first time RVers. They will stay with us longer. And as an industry, we really have to focus on lifting each other up to support the guest experience standard and increase what that standard really means so that when they show up and they've spent $500 filling their, their one tank of gas to, to come see you, it needs to be worth it for them. It always has been, but now more than ever. Yeah. I do want to tie these things together real quickly because we were talking about jobs in the beginning and the job fair and, and stuff like that. And now we're talking about gas prices and discounting. Is there a point in time you're like, we talk about owners be slow walking their rate increases, being slow to adopt dynamic pricing and lot fees and things like that help them increase revenue. Is there a point in time where this competition to hire people and thus raising wages and increasing costs at your park, is there a point in time where it forces you to raise your rates faster than you otherwise might have? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think always decides. <laughs> always yeah. decides. Yeah, I, mean, I know the answer is yes. I guess I'm looking for some clarity on like, how do, how do you manage that? If you run into a situation, do you do it all at once? Do you scale it in? Is there any use cases that you guys have heard in the industry? <laughs> oh man, there are so many, there are so many uh, scenarios to, to walk through with that. I think it, a couple of months ago in the show, we talked when inflation really started to, to pick up and fuel prices were on the horizon for an increase. We, we talked about making sure that you're tracking your cost per occupied site and being very diligent to understand all of the operating expenses that are associated with your operation and how much it costs you per occupied site during that time frame to offer the service you did. And when you're looking at a season ahead, you should be updating your budget to reflect the new rates that you're having to pay, you're having to pay labor and talent to support the operation and continually update your budget forecast so that you're staying ahead of what you think those expenses are going to be in the months ahead that you are forecasting for and track that those projected occupied nights that you think you're going to hit and make sure that you're doing that calculation of your total operating expenses divided by the occupied sites to or the occupied site nights, excuse me, to, to track that cost per occupied site. Make sure that you're doing that every single week for the three or four months ahead. Randy, I'll toss it over to you if you've got something else. Well, to, just to be clear, before we toss it to yeah. Randy, I just want to say, which yeah. is another huge benefit of having an accounting team that's familiar with the campground industry. So thanks to Fireside Accounting for sponsoring our episode one more time. But for real, I don't like to deal with those numbers. And I know there are some campground owners who don't. And even when you do, those little nuances are so critical mm -hmm. to not only paying attention to how you're adjusting as you're talking about, but also mm -hmm. how you're saving money to plan for more employees in the future and things like that. So go you ahead. Beat me, you beat me too, Brian. And it's something we've talked about before in the show. I know with it's, and Scott, I would say this, even if Fireside wasn't sponsoring it because of my love for Fireside. But the thing of it is when you're operating a campground, you've got, you're wearing so many hats, you've got so many things to do. You're answering phones, you're fixing a pipe when it breaks, if you're a one-off owner or something like that. Uh, no matter who you are in the whole chain of this whole thing, you've got a lot of things to do. One of the last things you do is manage on a molecular level what your cost of doing business actually is. 
it's indispensable. I, I think more so than any other cog in the wheel of operating a, a campground or RV parks very well, you've got to have campground specific accounting that's monitoring that in real time and giving you real data because it's very disheartening to get to the end of the year, the end of the month and do a look back and say, I had no idea my cost of doing business increased by 20%, but I didn't hit my rates by that much to offset it. I just operated a nonprofit for a month because I wasn't watched by expenses. And just one last little point on that. I, I know there's a lot of consumers that are sensitive to the idea that Oh gosh, campgrounds are charging so much now and it must be greed. Not necessarily. Inflation hits a lot of things. Goods cost more, labor costs more, permits cost more, insurance costs more. You have to, as a business, pass those on. And it's not that you're trying to make a, a windfall. You're merely trying to maintain margins that allow you to keep providing good services and a good experience. So. Again, tying it all back to accounting, if that's not really the cog in your wheel, if you're not bird dogging that relentlessly, you can really get yourself in trouble. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say too, in terms of how you, if, if you recognize that you need to increase your rates to keep up with your expenses, it really depends on the type of property that you operate and how you go about doing it. And what I mean specifically is if you operate an extended stay focused property where perhaps you know, 70, 80 or more percent of your overall business is extended stay 30 days or longer, you need to be much more mindful. Number one of any sort of, any sort of stipulations that might be pertaining to your operation from a local code or municipality or something, there shouldn't be, but make sure that you're, you're tracking your, how often you're increasing, but more from an experience standpoint, from a guest perspective, you do not want to hit monthly guests with continued rate increases that has to be planned out in advance. So you really need to understand the frequency of what, when you're hitting those rate increases. And when you do hit those rate increases, make sure it's enough to kind of future proof, knowing that expenses are going to continue to increase because you're, you really probably won't be able to get away with increasing rates again for a long time without a lot of pushback. Bingo. Right. Oh, am I supposed to say something now? You guys were carrying the show just fine without me. What do you need me now for? No, we can keep going for hours. You know that. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. That's why I love this open discussion group of guests, because you guys have so much experience and stuff like that. But I want to bring it, let's bring it back to jobs just for a second, because I, I wanted to touch on this, you know, briefly. If, and I, my mic just wasn't working, so I couldn't ask the questions. But Scott, you said the job fair. How, how much is involved in setting up something like that for a park owner who is struggling with hiring? How much resources and time and effort and cost needs to go into putting something together like that to advertising, to, to see the success that you guys have had. And, and I'll, I'll say that again, this was the first time we've gone through this. So our, that's been the realm of our experience with it, but it has been extremely simple, much more than I thought that it would be. Our marketing team put together a flyer that we then had our onsite GMs who are tapped into the local communities. They know the Facebook groups of the local communities. And it was free advertising primarily within Facebook and local community resources to let that job fair be known. We held it over um, a period of four hours yesterday and we're doing four hours on Saturday. And we were able to have folks reserve times during that for interviews or it was just walk-in only. So it was very simple, especially as a place of business in the area that you are 
that you're attracting talent from, you have the facility to host this at on site at your property. And so it's a great idea if it is held at your property to take your, take those applicants around and walk, have a walking interview with them. Don't mm -hmm. sit across the table. Uh, it, that's the worst thing you could do because they're not going to be sitting across the table from your guests other than maybe through a check-in experience. Walk with them, help them understand what an RV park is or RV resort campground is, and make sure that you feel like they're excited about it. Again, because you're trying to hire that personality, you're trying to hire that care gene. And if they're just, they show no interest at all, this is just something they're showing up for, then move on. But back to your point, Brian, it was as simple as creating the flyers, finding the community groups to post them in, choosing dates and times, and it's gone extremely well. Awesome. I, it's interesting, walking interview thing, I wanted to, uh, I, I, I have to say, I equate this, I used to do this um, at my park, but I equate it with trying to get my kids to open up and talk to me. I always load them in the car and we drive. And for some reason, when we're not facing each other, when we're side by side and we're looking that way, those kids can, they can open up, they say all kinds of things that they wouldn't maybe say if we were looking face to face. I think that's just human condition stuff where you feel this, I don't know what it is, the, the side by side yeah. thing. It takes really the pressure off. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So I, I will say this specific to your care gene too. I, I, you and I have had conversations about that before. Randy and I have had conversations about that before, and I completely agree with you. But I think there's also an opportunity to, while you can't give someone that care gene, there is an opportunity to increase the level of care that they show based on how you treat them and what you provide them and how the benefits are at your company and all those kinds of things. And so uh, I know that's too deep of a discussion to get into right now, but I think that there's a, a danger in just immediately dismissing someone because you don't necessarily see that either. Maybe they just haven't been given the opportunity to before to really shine because they haven't been treated well. It's an important thing, Brian, and there's actually a subtlety. You can teach hospitality skills and there are scripts and there are things you can highlight and coach on the dialogue. But the, I think the point is, at least from my perspective, that you have what we call the care gene that becomes second nature and you're inclined to do that sort of thing anyway, because when you're engaged like that, hospitality almost couldn't stop that from happening. If you've got that sort of a personality in the care gene. You can teach the skills of hospitality. It's just a whole lot easier if they legitimately have, like Scott said, the smile in their voice so they're engaged and participating. Man, that's a great journey there. Yeah. Yeah. It's so natural to, to us when we're in a kind of positive environment that's supportive and inherently collaborative and all of those things, then that, that positivity just comes out in how we love each other and it's infectious and, and contagious is up to us as operators and, and owners and operators to foster those environments. It's worth every moment of the effort for sure. I keep my thing. Like, I think I'm, I'm sorry, you're delayed a little bit, but I, I think that's part of my thing. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. So many things are changing. So many things are evolving. It is harder to hire people, but they're changing in such a rapid pace, not just for campgrounders, but for small business owners in general. Like I've had to adapt some of the benefits that I'm giving and how I interact with people and not necessarily how I treat them, but how I treat them. In other words, like how I approach certain situations and things like that. And so I think in some cases, maybe there just needs to be, and, and maybe this is something that, that all of us on this call and some other leaders in the industry perhaps need to work on is you've got this resource director and modern campground that talks about suppliers and businesses that provide these things. 
but just we did during the pandemic with Caro, where we, you know, we, and for other businesses, we created those graphics for social media that we provided for free at insiderperks.com. Maybe there's a way that we can create resources and templates and how to's on how to do a job fair and how to hire people and what benefits to provide and where to go to get them. And I think that associations do a great job of doing that to a certain extent, but I think there are some gaps that can be filled in necessarily someplace. You bet. Absolutely. I, I keep talking about, about Marsha with Normandy Farms. I, I was smitten. And she gave a speech at the NCA conference or, or a talk about building a team with, especially with seasonal employees and how important it is to go through and do personality quizzes and understand how people need to learn and how they best interact with others so that you can in the perfect world, when we're not up against almost taking anybody that, that is willing to come in these days in the perfect world, taking that time to understand each and every team member, how they operate best and view them as a puzzle. How do you put this puzzle together to extract the best talent out of each person? And that each other team member knows that this other person responds the best when I do this. And it might seem like it's a lot to keep track of and do, but it's something you can do during the, the hiring process and your beginning of season employee meetings and kickoff process that won't take that much time. So to your point, Brian, there are some great personality quizzes that could be referenced back to modern campground that through the resources that you guys have available as you work to put this together as a great framework for how to figure out how your team operates the best. I wish I could remember which one I took. Like it was a big, there was, there was all kinds of tests. It was like a hundred bucks or something that I had our team take years ago. It starts with a D I think, but it was really comprehensive. Like it gave you a 40 page breakdown of your personality and how you, there was certain different ones for businesses and I'll find the name of it and, and put it somewhere later, maybe in the comment section of the thing, but I will play that just because I'm on this devil's advocate theme, right? The flip side of that is how you behave as a boss too. And so yeah. one of the things I used to do with our employees is I used to, I, I took the personality test myself and I would give them all a copy of how I am and how I act and what I like and, and all those things. And, and so it's, I think it's a middle ground between yes, they need to adapt to the way you do business, but you also need to adapt to them too. And making each other more cognizant of how the other person likes, behaves, traits, behaviors, things like that only sets you up for even greater success versus just the one way from the employee. Yeah. And it's really interesting when you pay attention to those concepts. I remember early on in my years, I was quite young when I suddenly became a campground owner. And I remember really struggling to manage like the personnel dynamic where I, I think I, I feel like I remember saying to my mom or somebody I could confide in saying, I feel like I'm managing a bunch of junior high school students. <laughs> There's all this drama and stress and strain. And then over the next following couple of years, I did, I started to try to address those things in, in different ways and pay more attention to the, the personality interaction and strategize around them. And it really, not only did it have an impact on like my daily <laughs> stress level and hurting the cats and things like that, but then also I, I believe, you know, our bottom line, we were able to just be more efficient and provide better yes, service and so many things that were great outcomes of that. It's another hat to wear where you're like managing the personalities and things like yeah. that. Well, and, I, and I know we're, we're, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
you have to manage the personalities for sure. And they're definitely all great talking points. There was a book I read many years ago that said, don't focus on trying to put in what's been left out, try to draw out what's been left in. What are they best at and what are they good at and foster that creativity? But the other thing that's always been, I think, elusive for a lot of folks is people, uh, you could have the greatest RV resort in the world with great amenities and really cool. The employees don't necessarily stay there because you've got a great park. They stay based on the relationship they have with their immediate supervisor. So every le level down the hiring tree has got to have that sort of relationship and empower the people that they work with in their charges. Because let's face it, I mean, we've probably all done it. We didn't quit because the company was bad. We couldn't handle our boss. So that kind of training throughout the organization is just absolutely critical. You got to care about your people. You got to, well, that's what I was, that's what I was going to say before yeah. we got, we crossed paths is there's, we talked about, and I'm just going to close it out here because we got a couple more minutes, um, before the show ends up, but the care gene is not just from an employee standpoint. It's from an employer standpoint too. Yeah. And I've had to teach myself this over the years quite a bit. And sometimes I forget to remember to do this too, but it's amazing and astounding how far a how are you doing today? We appreciate you. Tell me about what happened over your weekend. What happened with your kids and soccer game last night that you told me you were going to, that you needed to work 30 minutes for. It is stunning how far that goes. It's amazing. That's my biggest takeaway from being a campground owner was the level of self awareness, the requirement for me to constantly look in the mirror and see all my flaws. And be like, wow, I'm less awesome than I thought. <laughs> we should fix that. Um, yeah, it was a huge, it, it really impacted my own personal development so much. It's big, big. Well, and I know we got to go, but guess what else happens? That whole paradigm, Karen, that you just hit it really well. If your company or your organization or your park starts with a mission statement or a culture that you wish to embrace and, and you reflect that outward and you've got that carriage and you want your people to feel valued because you legitimately do care, guess what happens? That comes back to you. They also care about you. They care about your park. They're going to bring you ideas that maybe you didn't think of. They're going to think of ways to innovate, to make it better. And isn't that a great place to go to work, whether you're the boss, the employer, whatever you want to call it, whatever you're part of that organization, that's a fun day. That's a yeah, good way. To that's the thing. And we talk about this struggle to hire and it's always going to exist depending on how the economy goes up and down and, and inflation and all the things that, that were unexpected. And, and it's hard from a small business owner standpoint to always, we talked, we've talked before about raising uh, your rates and paying more benefits and doing things that cost you money out of your pocket. That's already probably running on small margins in most cases as a small business owner. But these things, these ways that you can show employees that you care by asking them these questions, by doing the things that Randy and Scott have talked about and, and so many more that we're not even talking about are free. And, and if you can execute this strategy correctly, even if you're not giving the best benefits, if, if people know that you care and that they're going to be valued when they come to work and that you really appreciate what they're doing, you're going to get a lot more people banging down your door. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. And my final point would be to that too, Brian, is if you recognize that you've been in this business for 40 years and you're tired and th these guests just make you grumpy now, that's okay. It's okay to say, I'm no longer the person that should be leading this and find that talent 
to be able to create that culture for you. Because if you don't have the culture and if you can't or don't want to build it, that's okay. But find someone that will, because it's going to be paramount to your success. All right. Any final thoughts? I think that was a pretty good one. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty good one. Okay. Thank you guys all all for joining us on MC Fireside Chats. Another episode in the books here. We want to thank our uh, first sponsor ever, Fireside Accounting. I really appreciated them. I know I I maybe messed it up in the beginning with my mic issues, but super grateful to have them and Lindsay and her team being a sponsor of this show. Again, we've talked throughout this show about numbers and the importance of things like that. Uh, You really can't put a price on what a good accounting team who knows this industry can do, uh, both from a budgetary standpoint and all the things that we've discussed. So uh, if you are a campground owner, you're watching the show, you're uh, looking to save money, which I feel like there's no one who would say no to that. Then maybe perhaps you want to pick up the phone and give Lindsay and her team a call at Fireside. Other than that, uh, Kara, any last words? No, thanks guys for joining us. I always relish in the conversations I get to share with you and love your perspectives and outlook on the industry and already can't wait for next month's conversation. Likewise. Thanks, Kara. Thanks, Brian. Join us next week. I believe we have the RV Share CEO on uh, the show and a few other guests. So we're super excited about that show and we are available as a podcast and all those kinds of things as well. So really appreciate you joining us for another episode and we will see you guys next week. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.